Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, good morning. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, if you grab your program, you can see we're starting a brand new series. It's called Stuck in the Visitor Center. Imagine uh, going to the Grand Canyon National Park and just going to the Visitor Center and looking at the uh, postcards and the amazing pictorial journals and some of the history books and then getting back in your car and, and going, wow, man, Grand Canyon's amazing. <laughs> or imagine going to Yosemite and going into the visitor center and wandering around and buying a couple of cool things, maybe a little glass that has an, you know, uh, their logo on it that says Yosemite Falls and, uh, and then getting in your car and, and leaving and going, wow, that's a Yosemite, man, that's special. Um, <laughs> That's actually what Sunday morning, we, we think of Sunday morning here at Ocean Hills as the visitor center. And this series is to challenge, to inspire, to encourage you that if this is all you're experiencing, if you're going, oh, this is what it means to follow Christ, you're, you're stuck in the visitor center. You're missing out on the adventure and those of you that have been and walked and hiked down into the Grand Canyon and Phantom Ranch and been on the Colorado River, or you've been in the backwoods in the backcountry of Yosemite, uh, you know that that's where the life is. And so this year and in this series, uh, we are hoping to inspire you and encourage you that uh, there's so much more. We love what we do in here on Sunday morning, but this is the, the starting point to inspire you to love everyone always. That's the theme this morning. It's the, it's the theme of our, our church. I'm going to talk about that this morning. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how do I connect? How do I grow? And how do I serve? How do I connect? How do I grow? How do I serve? That's the month of January here at Ocean Hills. Let me pray for us, for you. Take a moment. Maybe turn your palms open as a way to receive, to open your heart. As you open your palms, open your heart and invite the Spirit of God to, to take the Word of God and do the work of God in you right here, right now. That's our prayer, oh God. Speak to us. May the words of the Scriptures leap off of the page and into our hearts this morning, and may they bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. As a sophomore in college, Mr. Vietti was my English 1A professor on the first day of class. He said, are there any Christians in my class this morning? I was actually a fairly new Christian, just a few years, and I kind of looked around, and nobody was raising their hand. But 
I, I raised my hand. I was the only one in class that day to raise their hand. And he looked at me from the front, of the, he pointed at me, and he said, by the end of this class, I will have talked you out of being a Christian. I walked out of class afterwards. I had three people come up to me. Oh, I'm a Christian too, but I was afraid to raise my hand. I'm like, you loser. Why couldn't you help me? Here's what I want to tell you this morning. If you're a Christian here this morning, I'm going to try. I might, I might talk you out of your faith this morning. In fact, I'm going to try to challenge you to the point that you walk out of here this morning, you go, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> That's my goal. Because the opposite can also happen. I walked out of that English 1A class, and here I am all these years later, and it, it actually strengthened my faith. Because all of a sudden I had to start thinking, am, am, I, am I all in? Am I kind of just halfway in? Am I, is this, do I really believe this? Am I really living this? Am I, and I'm hoping today, I'm going to push. I'm, I'm going to tick some of you off this morning. I'm just giving you a warning. Some of you are going to be like, yeah, but. You know you have a conversation and you're, you're making a point and the person listening is going, yeah, but what about, yeah, but. Stop that right now. Don't just shut that thought down and just, if you can open yourself to say, all right, challenge me this morning. Push me this morning. Punch me in the teeth a little bit this morning. Are you ready? Raise your hand if you're ready for that. If you're not, bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Um, we are in the year of in, God, a whole nother uh, sidebar here. Ocean Hills, we, we, we are in these three-year cycles of last year was the year of up, this year's the year of in, next year's the year of out. Up means connecting deeply with God. The year of in is learning how to and figuring out how to love one another the way that God loves us, Scripture says. We're going to talk about that this morning. And then the year of out is becoming more missional, loving our community and making a difference and living beyond ourselves in this world. So the year of in begins today. God said in Genesis chapter 2, it is not good for man to be alone. You know, it's impossible to misunderstand those words. Soak in that statement. It is not good for you to be alone. It's not. You were made to be loved. You were made to be known. You were made to live in community, to be in relationship, loving relationships, caring relationships, intimate, close relationships. That's how you and I are wired. And yet, I would say that most of us in this room know the pain of what alone feels like, right? One of my loneliest moments in my life was at Disneyland with a group of high school students when I was 16, 17 years old, feeling on the outside. I wasn't in the cool group, and they were running around, and I was kind of chasing them, following them on their rides. You know, you, you see groups of friends walk down State Street, and then you have the, the one person that there's not enough space, so they're walking behind. That's how I felt, right? Like, I was on the outside. Some of you know that feeling. Some of you 
maybe even are experiencing that season of life where you're alone, surrounded but alone. Mother Teresa, I love this quote. She writes this, the most terrible poverty is loneliness. The feeling, the feeling of being unloved. Feeling of being unloved. Flip that upside down. Nothing more powerful than knowing and feeling that you're loved, that you're known and you're loved. Yeah, I know God loves me. It's one thing to know God loves you. Oh, I know my wife loves me. Yeah, of course, of course she has to. She married me. Yeah, yeah. But to feel loved is powerful. And that's the role of the church. It's to love everyone, always. Everyone includes them. Wait, who? Yeah, them. Who's your them? Yeah, that one, that guy, her. That's the mission of the church. That's the invitation. And we go, oh, yeah, no, I want to do that. Well, I'm going to talk this morning about what that means. Some of you, after hearing it, might go, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Why? Well, let's read about what that means. Andy, on the screen, I hope you have John 13 first. I don't know if you do. John 13, 34, and 35, the words of Jesus, this is what he challenged and inspired his closest friends. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The way you treat each other is speaking volumes to the outside world. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, a lifelong learner of what it means to follow Jesus. The way you treat each other, your love for one another, Jesus said, will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul writes this, imitate God. What? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Verse 2. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. Listen to this. Next line. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. Sacrifice. Love. Sacrifice, love, saying no to yourself so you can say a bigger yes to the other person that lives with you, your spouse, your kids, to the other person you work with, saying no to yourself. Sacrifice, going without, making hard choices so that for the sake of, to serve, to give, to bless another person. 
1 John chapter 3, the Apostle John writes this, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Okay, I, I can deal with that. That's good. I'm signing up for that. Thank you, Lord. You gave your life up for me. I just want to stop there. Just enjoy that. Next line. So we also ought to, I think it says, give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. How many are ready to sign up for that this morning? That's what it means to follow Jesus, to give up my life for who? Well, I'll do that for my wife. I'll do that for my daughter and her husband. For my brothers and sisters. Oh, what? Radical. Challenging. Not sure I want to do that. But that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. It goes on to say, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion. How can God's love be in that person? Now he's kicking us in the teeth. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. One of the spiritual practices that I uh, have used, and I've, I've shared it here, it's from Marilyn McIntyre's book, Word by Word, but it's notice what you notice. As I was reading those scriptures, what did you notice? What did you notice? That one word love, obviously, is the theme threaded throughout that. And, and I don't expect you to know this, but you know, it's often, maybe you've read, that there are different Greek words for the word love. There's the eros, which is erotic, passionate love. There's the friendship kind of love. And then there's agape love. We've heard that word, right? Agape love. That's the word used in all of these verses. What does that word mean? Agape, agape, agape. Let me read for you some reflections here. Agape means to sacrifice. I go without. I suffer for the sake of another. I say no to myself so I can say yes to the other. I step up and serve when I want to be served. I turn off my cell phone, my screens, so that I can pay more attention to the other. Agape love is unconditional love that is always giving. What? Always giving. Total commitment to seek another's best no matter how they respond. But the way they're treating me, you ex no matter how they respond, we do not let another person dictate to us how we treat the other. Agape love is total commitment to seek another's best, no matter how they may respond. It's totally selfless. And it does not change whether that love is returned or not. Are you challenged yet? Easy to go, oh yeah, that's cool. And then when you walk out of here this morning 
and you're trying to decide which restaurant to go to for lunch, and your kids want to go to one, and you're like, I'm not going to that restaurant. You know, it's just our life intersects with choices moment by moment every day. This is graduate-level living, friends. Agape love. So just three little reflections in the, in the time that we have this morning. Growing in our capacity to love. Here's what I want you to think about. I, I want you to choose one of the three. That in 2019, you go, I'm going to commit to that this year. I am going to commit to one of these three reflections, and, and these reflections are about increasing or growing my capacity to live out these verses, to, to actually authentically follow Jesus. We like to say here in this church, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. It's not about believing the right things. That's part of it. But if it doesn't translate into action, into sacrifice, into giving, then it's just kind of, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, knowledge puffs up. So what? So what that you believe the right things? You're mean to your spouse. You're a bully at work. So what? So here's the reflections. Number one, I will love, here's your commitment for some of you, I will love Fewer or more people than ever before. I was just going to do more, and then I added fewer earlier in the week. It's the issue of quantity and quality. For some of us, let's just start with the more, the quantity. I'm going to love more people than ever before. Some of you, I think, need to press this year into trusting God, your world's too small. Your circle of love is too small. You got three people in your life. You got one person in your life. Your capacity to impact others, to love, to sacrifice for others is bigger than that. And so thinking about maybe this is the year that you say, you know what? I'm going to find two or three more friends. I'm going to actually think about my life as this great adventure that whoever God brings across my path, I'm going to serve them. I have a friend in this church who told me a few years ago, I just feel like when somebody asks me for money, that's God telling me to give. And I've just made the, I'm not going to tell you who it is, I've made the commitment that if they ask, I'm going to say yes. That's increasing your capacity to love. That's loving more people than ever before. And there's somebody in here I'm speaking to this morning. That's you. Your world is too small. You're just about your family and your kids. And that's great. But God can increase your capacity and your influence and your impact. Now, what about the flip side, the fewer side? I will love fewer people than ever before. That applies to others of us. Scott, you and I were talking about that on our bike ride yesterday. Some of us are, are and I include myself in this category, you know, it's the inch deep, mile wide. Man, I got so many friends. 
but they don't feel loved by me. I got 50 best friends. It's amazing. Yeah, but are you sacrificing for them? Are you initiating? Are you creating space to really care and be there for them? So this idea of loving fewer people better This is for the person that is always hurried, that's saying, I'm just buried, man. I'm swamped with work. This is the person that's preoccupied. It's like we spoke about on Christmas Eve. You're here, but you're not here. This is the person that uh, maybe is not emotionally available at home. Your spouse would say to you, you're here, but... I don't know you. I don't know your heart. You don't really want to talk. When I ask you a question, you kind of give me the surface level, and then you just get back on your phone. A commitment in 2019 to say, I'm actually, I'm going to love fewer people better. I'm going to really choose today. I'm going to make a list. Who am I intentionally going to love better? I'm going to actually sacrifice for, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm willing to say no to other things to say a bigger yes to these few people in my life. Some of us in this room, I'm talking to you right now. You might even be getting a sharp elbow from somebody sitting next to you right now. Don't do that, by the way. But So my question to all of us is, are you willing? Are you willing to make that commitment? And if not, why not? What's your, yeah, but... What's your excuse? If you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you and I have to learn to love better than ever before. For some of us, it's more. For some of us, it's fewer. Let's go to the second reflection. I will love more kinds of people than ever before. What? Yeah, I'm going to love people that are different than me. That's the invitation. That's the call of the Scripture. You can't read the Bible without coming to that conclusion. Look at the life of Jesus. He had friends. He loved people that were rich and poor. Do you have anybody in your life that's rich, that you're committed to love? Do you have anybody in your life that's on welfare or poor or really struggling or bankrupt, and you're going to love them better than ever before? What about generational? Do you have anybody in your life that you're loving that's not your immediate family that's under the age of 15 or over the age of 80? It's this diversity question. What about race? Do you have any black friends, Hispanic friends, white friends? Asian-American friends, Brian Yardley doesn't count. <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. Sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know why I do this. Oh, Lord, help me, forgive me, okay. But Jesus had older friends, younger friends, Jewish friends, Gentile friends, Male friends, female friends. Some of us in the church are so paranoid about having a friend of the opposite sex. Like, what 
what does that mean? I'm not having... Does, does it mean I'm having sex with them? No, you, but can, you can be a friend with somebody of the... You can have a healthy, life-giving friendship. I mean, you have to have a check in your spirit about not going, like becoming emotionally, having an emotional attachment there that's beyond what's healthy. But Jesus had women friends in his life that he was close to, and men friends. My point here is this commitment when you look around your life, when you look around the people that are most important to you, does anybody look different than you? If I look at my life, are all my friends midlife, 50-something, rich white guys? Right? Uh, I want to read a quote from John Perkins. Scott's been reading that. It's been pushing us a little bit, but from his book, One Blood, listen to this. I don't have it on the screen, so you got to tune in here. He says this, true friendships must happen and on every level. This will take the whole church, not just the pastors and staff. The, ra the racial reconciliation of our churches and nation won't be done, won't be done with big campaigns and through mass media. It will come one loving, sacrificial relationship at a time. The gospel and all that it encompasses has always traveled best relationally. We have much to learn from each other. The way forward is to become wounded healers who bandage each other up as we discover what the family of God really looks like. Loving everyone, 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 different. Everyone means different. Everyone means the same. Everyone means different. Everyone, right? How are you going to do that? You're sitting here going, dude, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't have the capacity to do that. Then you don't want, you don't want to follow Christ. That's why I'm going to talk you out of your faith this morning. You don't really want to follow Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this, For we know how dearly God loves us. And when you live unloved, by the way, it's hard to love others. But the Bible says, we know how dearly God loves us. You are loved, whether you feel like it or not. You are loved. Here's what the verse says. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God gives you the capacity. You're going, I'm exhausted. God gives you the capacity. He puts the Spirit of God in you to love others well. But, no but, God puts his Spirit in you to help you live in love beyond your capacity. Philippians chapter 2, 13. The Apostle Paul says this. This is a great verse. God is working in you. Really? Yeah, he is. That's what the Bible says. He's working in you. What's he doing? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What pleases him? When we love each other. We just read that earlier. When we love each other, that pleases God. 
Well, the Bible says he gives you the desire and the power to do that, to live that way. Is that incredible? Okay, last thought, last reflection. So the first one, just to review, I will love fewer or more people than ever before. Second one, I will love more kinds of people than ever before. Here's the third one. I'm going to offend some people right now. I'm just going to say it. Some of you are going to feel, and I don't want you to feel shame. I don't want you to feel guilt. I, I don't. I want you to feel challenged because this is going to push up against some of you, and your yeah, but meter is just going to go right now. Just take a chill pill, be open, and here it is. I will love over longer periods of time than ever before. I will love over longer. What does that mean? It means commitment. It means persevering with people. It means endurance. It means I'm not quitting on you. And you're not giving up on me. Yeah, but. No, 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 no. No, yeah, but. This is the issue of forgiving hurts, of overlooking failures. It's the issue of fighting for community, unity, relationship. One of my greatest regrets, 35 years of ministry, one of my greatest regrets, I, I feel guilty about this 30 years later. I was at a conference, I had a kid in my youth group, a teenage kid I met with, I tried to meet with every week. He was totally flaky. Came from a super strong Christian family. And so I was discipling this kid, meeting with him on Wednesday mornings before school. He, he showed up about 50% of the time, and I was just like, are you kidding me? You know, wanted to quit on him. Like, are you serious? You know, it's that self-righteous John Ireland. Are you serious about your faith? You need to get up and meet. You know, that's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. I didn't. I just kept loving him always. So then I take him to a conference. We're at camp together. And he gets in a cabin with a leader from another church. And at the end of the camp, this leader comes up to me and says this. Dude. You know, I had so-and-so, your kid, this student in your youth group in my, in my cabin this week. Man, my heart just goes out to him, and I'll be praying for you. And I'm like, well, what, what did he say? Well, he, he shared that his parents dropped him off at an orphanage when he was just three years old, and he's been in the foster care system. And I'm like, that's not true. It's a total lie. This kid fabricated this story to get sympathy from this leader at camp. And I snapped in my spirit. I'm done with you. I quit. You're a liar. You never show up for appointments. And I went and I told his mom that. His mom left the church. It just crushed her. I just, I just even as I tell this story, it crushes me that I did that. I quit on that kid. You know this, and I know this, but I'm going to say it. People need to be loved the most. When? When they deserve it the least. People, your wife, your husband, your kids, your friends, 
They need to be loved the most when they deserve it the least. I read an article this week. Well, it was not this week. It was two weeks ago. Made me so, I don't know, sad. We all know the name Billy Graham. Billy Graham's grandson was this like megachurch rock star. Pastor, author, speaking all over the world. And he blew it. He made some stupid, self-destructive choices. Had an affair. His life, his marriage, his family blew up. And here's what he writes. December 13th, he wrote this on his blog. His name's Tulian. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Chavigian. But I'm going to read two paragraphs and I'll throw the quote up. He says, I was sitting with my wife at her son's baseball game. There's a little... Oh, he got remarried, right? There's that little... I was sitting with my wife at her son's baseball game when I looked at her and I said, I don't want to do any kind of ministry ever again. I love God and I know he loves me, but I want nothing to do with Christians. I want nothing to do with Christians. That was two and a half years ago. I was still bitter, cynical, and untrusting towards the church, following the collapse of my life and ministry due to my adultery. Now here's the line that just cuts deep. I felt, you could throw it on the screen. Look at those three words. I felt erased. Do you know what that feels like? You blew it. You screwed up. And you felt abandoned, orphaned. People gave up on you. They quit on you. Is that what we do? Is that what the Bible says we do? And I know, I know some of you inside it's screaming, yes, but... And I, I know that there are some yes buts, just so you know. I know there are times when it actually is healthy. You cannot be in an abusive relationship. There are circumstances where it is healthy and appropriate to set up boundaries, not to be in relationship with that person anymore. So I know that. But here's what I want to say to, 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 to all of us. I think 90% of the time we quit too soon. I do. 90% of the time we give up on each other too soon. And I'm speaking, I'm preaching to one person here right now. That's me. I am a quitter on people. Those of you that know me know that. I, I'm embarrassed to tell you that. I am the one who goes, no, I didn't sign up for that. No, things have changed. No, you betrayed me. No, and whatever that fill in the blank is for you. Commitment to people, to each other. Let me read the words of Jesus again. Love one another. Love each other as I have loved you. 
Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. It's when we stick together. I have, I'm going to just tell you, I have people in my life, and I have other people that go, why are you hanging out with him? Hey, I don't understand why John spends time with that person. I, I have people tell me that. And then I also look at the Gospel of Luke and Matthew, and it says Jesus was the friend, not the acquaintance. He was a friend of fill in the blank. Do you know what it says? Sinners. Well, I know everyone's a sinner, but no, no, no. He was the friend of sinners. That means he's the friend of people that didn't have it all together like you do. Who still wants to follow Jesus? I love it. Raise your hand if you want to follow Christ, right? This is graduate level Christian living. It's messy. Marriage is messy. Having kids that don't turn out the way we want them to is messy. Having people in church that are self-righteous bigots are messy. I mean, we can, we can all come up with the fill in the blank. Love everyone always. Let me pray. Band, come up. I went too long. I apologize. Let's pray. Prepare our hearts. What is the reflection that, that today you're, you're going to commit to? Just maybe close your eyes. Maybe today you're, you're the one that's sitting here going, I'm ready to walk. I'm ready to quit on my marriage. I'm ready to quit on my business partner. I'm ready to, to give up on being a volunteer with our youth ministry because of kids not turning out the way you wanted them to. Or what about you look around your life and you're going, man, everybody in my life looks just like me, votes just like me, believes all the same things as me. And maybe the Spirit of God today would, would nudge you to say, I need to love more kinds of people different than me. We're going to sing. We're going to come to the table. We have communion today. It's just such a powerful Example: When you look at the bread and the cup, it's the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. Let it remind you. Sacrificial love. You have been loved by a God, and you are loved by a God who sacrifices for you. He gave his life for you. And then he says, now I want you to go and live that way. I want you to go and love others the way I have loved you. So Father, right here, right now, do the work of God in us. Some of us need healing. Some of us need courage to make a godly choice right now. Some of us need faith to stretch. Some of us need to be reminded that, that the Spirit of God lives in us and gives us the capacity to love beyond what we think is possible and love a person that we feel is doesn't deserve it. God, do your supernatural work in our lives right now. In the name of Jesus, amen.
You're invited to come to this table if your desire is to follow Jesus. You might not have it completely figured out, but if, if the direction of your life is, I actually want to be that way. I want to love everyone else. I want to follow Jesus into this life. You're invited to come and kneel around the table, or you don't have to kneel, you can stand. Rip off the bread, dip it in the cup, receive that forgiveness, and, and, and also make this a recommitment in 2019 that you're going to live a life of love. When you're ready, you can come. Let's stand together.